Are you ready for some nosy bitches? Because this is about to get explicit. Hey, bitches. Hey, friends. Hey, Carla. Michael. Welcome to the new studio. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> what do you think? I love this. For our nosy bees listeners, we originally had this room when Thomas and I moved into our new house. We moved into like a, a homestead property a couple years ago. And it had these two small rooms off of one of the main hallways that we got talked into tearing down the wall between. And it just stood unfinished for like two years. And we finally had a come to Jesus moment with ourselves, where we're like, we need to repair this. So we either need to decide to keep this as one big long room or put the wall back up and, you know, figure out what we want to do with it. So we decided to put it back up. And on this side, we've added some extra insulation and soundproofing to make it a, a nice little studio for us. So I love it. It looks so nice. It is weird to be, a, we're, we're a little bit further apart than we normally are. It's true. Um, So it's getting some use getting a little used to that but i really love it i like i think the sound is gonna hopefully come across really well yeah and also my legs are not dying from sitting on the floor (laughs) yeah there were there were a couple of recordings where we definitely were recording on the floor of my bedroom upstairs because i have a million animals and we we couldn't record in our normal space in the bedroom is actually really great because it's carpeted and it's draped so it's very sound absorbent and that was good for recording but this is a better setup I yeah. Think. How so, far we have come from the kitchen table. I cannot so, believe. We've yeah. got like a whole high-tech rig right now. Like people don't know we have two microphones. I've got a Mac in between us. It's crazy. If we went back and listened to our Johnny Depp, I actually I went back and listened to one of our early episodes and it wasn't that it was bad because it was good, but yeah. there, there were definitely things that I could hear that are better. But also we were doing it in the kitchen originally. And I remember, I think you guys had family in too. And so like- they were coming up to the door, like, is it okay to come in? So it is funny, like, how far we've come in, you know, a little over a year. And our confidence, too. <laughs> no, just kidding. And, oh, so other business. I'm actually going up to Indiana. We dedicated an episode a few months ago to my grandfather who's passed. I'm going up to visit my grandma for a week and just make sure she's got some company as we're approaching the holiday season and all of that shenanigans. So send some love to my grandma. Absolutely. Who is going to watch the 500 animals that you guys have here? Thomas is staying here. Okay, yeah. I was going to say, I'm going to send good vibes to Thomas also this week. This is, I, I can't, <laughs> if anyone is in the Pensacola area and is interested in a cat or two, <laughs> let us know. <laughs> They're so cute, the kittens. They They're are, wonderful. They are very cute. It's just a lot. So we are officially out of spooky season. And going into the rest of the holiday season, what do you have in store for us as we start going into November and beyond? Yeah, though? so I got we've gone through a lot of our like our backlog items. I know, which is so cool. Carla, this will be like episode number 38 or 39, by the way. Nice. Can you believe that? Isn't that insane? It is. It's, it's really crazy. So, anyway, go ahead. Go ahead. No, and I think that what's nice about this one is it is a different type of case. There's no murder and mayhem. It's some of our scandal ones and so our financial crime ones. Um, and I think I, we needed that after Candyman, Ken and Barbie, and Salem. Uh, what are you getting this into? And I just want to say too, this case really means so much to me as well. I remember at the time when I heard about this case, 
my son was a year away from applying to college. And of course, since then, now my son's graduated college and my daughter is now going to be applying for college. But the other thing about this case that stuck with me is like, I grew up very modestly. I went to public schools. I joined the military to help pay for college. I was able to qualify for very little. And the military, like if I chose to go back to school, would finish and could help me pay for some of my future college. But essentially, college was a sacrifice that I made for myself. My parents didn't help me pay. Though I think like in future years, they they would have helped me. They were in a much better financial place and could have helped. They did pay for like some of my siblings' college. Um, but it was a sacrifice for me to go. And I want it to be that for my kids too. Like I don't intend to pay for their college. I want them to earn it either by scholarship or through their own hard work in future years when they get whatever degree. I had to pay off all my own student loans and I made it just fine. It's hard, y'all, but it's a good thing. Right. Also, I feel like I want them to be intentional with what they're going to go to school for. Yeah. Right? If you want to be an electrician, go to a trade school, get your license and become a tr- an be electrician. Be with it. Right. Don't go to, you know, to to think about getting a degree in something that you really can't find a job for that's really not going to pay off in the end because you're going to be stuck with those student loans, not me. My kids, they grew up in a modest household. Very little was ever given to them. And I think about this case, which is called Operation Varsity Blues. Oh. Yep. It's the college admission scandal. And I it's just like Lori Laughlin, all that. Lori Laughlin, oh, Felicity yeah. Hoffman, William Macy. He's a little lesser known. He's actually not called out in a lot of things, but Lori Laughlin's husband, Massimo, yeah, is called out. And there are so many like CEOs. Those, of course, like are actresses that we know really well. But there's definitely a lot of like CEOs and business people. There's even a prosecutor and some lawyers that are involved in this too. But like the sheer audacity and deceit of these parents, school administrators, coaches, businessmen, and women, absolutely disgusting. I was like, to be fair, when I first heard about this case breaking, I did think like, meh, what's the big deal? Yeah. Yeah, Parents pay colleges or give kickbacks like since the beginning of time. That's something we kind of all knew. But then when I really understood what was happening in this case and learned exactly what they were actually doing, I was livid. I feel like that whole process, like our education system, schools, colleges, you feel like you can trust in that system, right? Yes. Like there's not a lot of corruption in there that for the most part, it's an honest E. We all know that like money pays for certain things, but for the most part, we feel like you can't buy your way through an ACT test or a SAT score. You have to study, do or the work, a, and take right, the test. Or a GPA, right? Or that's what you thought. And then to like realize how much corruption was involved in this and how many people were pocketing from it, it really just disgusted me. And I don't think a lot of people understood what happened in this case. I think they really did think like, oh, they're just giving a kickback. No, it's fraud. That's exactly what they're doing. They were charged with wire fraud. This is 100% fraud. We should all be pissed off about it. I'm fascinated to hear about this because I did it the au natural way. Like I, I graduated valedictorian of my high school class. I graduated with honors from my bachelor's degree, but I did 
all of that. Like I studied, I did the work, I knew the content, I took the tests myself, I wrote the essays and earned that. And especially as someone that did not come from a prominent family or a family with money, right. that was really important. I was really proud of those things. So I just, it'll be interesting. I will admit that I'm one of those people that had the thought, oh, is this even really a big deal, right? So I'm I'm maybe not excited. That might not be the right word, but I'm intrigued <laughs> to hear what actually happened in this case. So obviously we've said it's the Varsity Blues operation. Um, it was named after the movie Varsity Blues mm-hmm. um, from a few years ago. It Great was, movie. Yeah, this operation and was... TV show. Yeah, oh, loved it. Well, wait, no, no, I'm thinking Friday Night Lights. Yeah, you're right, you're right. Blues. My Friday bad. Night my Light bad. Lights. My bad, go ahead. <laughs> um, I was too, actually, that you said that. So we're going to talk about who was involved, what exactly they did, how they did it, and like what, if anything, we have learned from this. So in 2019, which was almost four years ago. I cannot believe that's almost half a decade ago. (laughs) (laughs) I'm telling you, the pandemic just wiped out, wiped out. It felt so long and so short at the same time. (laughs) Years of our lives. The world erupted with news of a scandal that involved U.S. college admissions and standardized tests. At the forefront of this news was Rick Singer, the mastermind behind the whole operation. There would also be countless CEOs, business people, actresses, prosecutor, who paid for their children to get into college. But it didn't start in 2019. It actually starts, like most stories, all the way back in 2011. So some background helped by a Rolling Stone article that helped give some background information of actually Rick Singer. There's also a documentary on Netflix about the college admissions scandal. Years ago, listened to a podcast about this. Rick Singer is the CEO and founder of a company called Key Foundations. They are a private life coach and college counseling company. The Key catered to wealthy families trying to get their children into college. Per its website, quote, the Key's clientele is all referral-based. Consequently, the quality of the service provided to many of the world's most renowned families and individuals have provided an incredible foundation for the key to grow its offerings worldwide. Like it it's just 100% trying to get into the rich and famous. That it's and it sounded like that sounded like mumbo jumbo. That's, yeah. I mean that's ridiculous. It's <laughs> yeah. like what? A little bit of background from Rick Singer. So he graduated from Trinity University outside of San Antonio, Texas. He has a master's in counseling and a doctorate in organizational management and business. What this tells me is that he is a smooth talker. People who know how to be a therapist, provide counseling, and then you take like the organization, a master's in organizational business management, you can 100% be a brilliant business person. Just having those skills alone, knowing how to talk to people, knowing what makes them tick, and how to organize your business in a very methodical way. After and during college, he was a college sports coach, but people would describe him as a complete hothead. While he could be very charismatic and had a gift for talking, definitely a natural-born salesman, his competitive nature would eventually get him fired from coaching. That sounds like some Bobby Knight shenanigans right yeah. there. Because Bobby was the same way. He could be a very charismatic, very effective speaker. Then you put him on the court. <laughs> it, yes. <laughs> So he did his first venture into another college counseling company called Future Star College and Career Counseling. 
but he sold the company later saying that he was better as a coach than as a businessman. He later worked for a mortgage company that would later be sold and actually bought by Wells Fargo. Um, After that, he was a senior executive here and there at a few different companies before he would start up the Key Foundation. So along with the Key Foundation, which was his very profitable college program, he also had a charity company that was associated with the Key. This was called the Key Foundation Worldwide, and they were supposed to help disadvantaged students worldwide get into college. But in reality, this would actually help open the door to his scheming. So this charitable company was really how he was able to to put this whole thing together. And assuming he was doing some legitimate work through that, For sure. But then was also, okay, using this as a backdoor to some things that probably made him some money yes. on the side. And I will say very little legitimate stuff. So there oh, was, wow. yeah, there was a couple of charity organizations. There's one in Cambodia that talked about how much money they actually got. Like he was saying like they got a couple hundred thousand and they were like, no, they got like $5,000. It was very, very small amounts of money. Also as a, a very smart businessman should have keyed him in that he needed to be very careful because you're oh. you're not even putting a lot of any real money into this charitable organization. That's right. But even though the major scheming could be tracked back all the way to 2011, Many people who worked in New Rick Singer said that he had been squirmy. Like they used the word, quote, squirmy. Oh, my God. <laughs> long before this, but on a much a much smaller scale. So he was married for less than 10 years. They have a son. They did split up. It is important to note also that not everyone who used this company were malicious or not talented. Many students and parents of students were not part of this scheme. He did work in this industry for a long time, surely did have some actual good tips and tricks on how to complete tests like the ACT, SAT, what to write, not to write in your college application. Um, We've kind of always said before that people don't start out bad, but at some point he truly made a concentrated decision and effort to go to the dark side. Yes. To say like, hey, I'm going from a legitimate businessman to now doing something that is not only unethical, but is illegal and going to get me in big trouble. There were so many people involved in this. Like we would literally be here till kingdom comes if we covered all their different stories. So I want to talk about essentially like how this worked and some of the incredulous stories of what happened. And then we'll talk a little bit about some of the, the famous people like Felicity Huffman and Lori Laughlin. So this is how it worked. I'm telling you, this is kind of crazy. So Rick trying to be the coach, they said like he would wear like coach-like clothes. He'd pretend he wore like a backpack, like athletic gear, very chill. He would give presentations in country clubs, hustling to sell his business to anyone who would listen, especially if you were wealthy and had kids close to the college age. He would start slow by making an offer hey, I could get you into a certain school for a certain amount of money while he was counseling students. So almost like grooming the conversation either with the student or with the parents Just dropping little hints that like, you know, oh, you're going to this one. Well, you know, I could get you into if you whatever, whatever. Yep. So he would also do things like change 
races on um, some of the admission forms. So from white to African-American or Latino so that they could follow. Yeah. So they could qualify for the affirmative action rule set by colleges, which I think, correct me, Michael, if you know, I think is going away, right? At least some of them. So yeah, recent Supreme Court decision. I'm not sure like how broad it'll be. Okay. Basically, like the Supreme Court stopped short of saying like race can't play a factor, but it needs to not play a deciding factor sort of thing. So we'll see how that actually affects. It doesn't prevent colleges and universities from setting some of their own internal standards, but it does put limits on it. I wonder what type of checks and balances this is. Obviously, there are affirmative actions set by these colleges, especially at this time. But I wonder, are people going back to find out, did somebody mark a different race when they're not? I just have so many like ethical questions about it as well. Certainly none of the universities are doing that right because they don't want to admit any wrongdoing in any of that process. And for their purposes, they already got their money. They'll only do it if under investigation, right? But that would be fascinating to find out like how many over the course of time had manipulated that to make their own circumstance better. Yeah. So he would also lie about, of course, his own resume. And it was it's like a, a little snowball, right, rolling downhill. And the more that you get away with it, the more that he would lie with it, even like some of them being pretty incredulous and like stupid petty stuff. So the way that it would work, a parent would hear about Rick's company and reach out and inquire about it. So Rick broke it down like this. There's the front door getting in, which is legitimately getting in on your own merit and your scholar. The back door, which is making a big donation. So it's important to know that, and I didn't know this, so this this is something that I learned as part of this. When we think, oh, rich people give like a kickback to a college. Well, in order to really like this back door option to really work, you're talking about millions of oh, dollars, yeah. right? You were like talking. You, you're having a wing named after you, right? You were talking about someone <laughs> yeah. who has a huge amounts of generational wealth, or like a Bill Gates, right? You're not talking about a Lori Laughlin, no. Who maybe just, has five to ten million right. in the bank of new money? Yeah. You're just not talking about the same types of wealth. Then there's the side door, which is Rick's company, and they would guarantee which neither the front door nor the back door could do. You could really be, this is what is crazy, because he's right. You could be so smart. You could have aced all the tests. And do you know that there's a college out there? Yes. You have no guarantee that Harvard or Yale or Stanford is going to take you if you make this GPA, if you get this score, and are this smart. There's no guarantee. There's still the opportunity that they're going to say no. Even if you donated a big amount of money, they still have the ability to say no. That's what Rick sold was like, hey, I'm going to give you this side door and I'm going to guarantee that you're going to get in. Most donations that that Rick got in this side door were like three to $400,000 compared to the millions that you would need in order to guarantee an admission or like a wing or something like that. Sure. So over the years, Rick had found people who were willing to compromise their position in college admissions and on sports teams and their morals by being allowed to be bribed. Sport coaches, admission office, even testing proctors, he would use them to lay out a plan for each student. He would lie about 
certain students' athletic abilities by using Photoshop. Literally, some of these parents would be taking a picture of their son in like swimming gear, pretending to swim or coming out of their pool. They would take that and like Photoshop them into like a real sports team event using Photoshop. It It might... It might have been easier to actually learn to play water polo. (laughs) I can't even imagine like going to my kid and being like, listen, can we take some fake pictures of you pretending to to be a water polo player in the pool? They would be like, what? What? They barely want to take regular pictures. That's it. Like they're not going to do this unless they're understanding what is going on. The closest I can liken this to. Is I do remember, and I don't mean this in any kind of dishonest way, but I think it's a pretty known idea that on things like, you know, your college entrance application and resumes, you know, be honest, but casting things in their most flattering light is absolutely something that I think most of us have done, right? So how does this differ from from that? Like, how deep does this go? Yeah, this is definitely like one extreme. Like, yeah, yeah. That's like, hey, I got... Um, I really have a 3.5 when I probably have a 3.35, right? This is like, hey, I have set on my ass for all four years of high school, but now I'm actually a star, you know, on the rowing team. It's a far stretch. Let's talk about one example of how he would manipulate some of the situations with some of the sporting coaches. Okay. So this is Stanford's sailing coach, John Van Domer. So he met with Rick, who was presenting himself as a college counselor who was looking to send applicants his way for some of these smaller athletic programs like sailing. The conversation began solely as recruiting. He started talking to him about a specific student named Molly. John's recruiting was already done for the year and the team was full. But Rick in the days following would be persistent, advising, hey, her parents are really rich, would be willing to make a donation of a million dollars. The athletic director, the AD, said a million dollars was not enough to make an impact from admissions. Stanford, I'm telling you. Oh, my God. It's funny is John is going to his athletic director. Like, he's going and talking to them like, hey, this guy's offering to make a, a million dollar donation. And they're like, nah, wouldn't do a thing. So he doesn't hear anything from Rick until after August. In August, Rick calls him and says, hey, thanks for all you did. Molly got in. John says, congrats, but I didn't do anything. And Rick, being the salesman, says, hey, regardless, her parents want to donate $500,000 to your program. John, of course, skeptical, but says, I mean, sure, if they want to. The check comes in. He takes it to the athletic director. Goes over the whole story. Like, I didn't do anything to get this person in here, but here it is. The AD is like, no problem. I know Rick. No one questions anything further. The thing is, is that, like, experts do believe that for the most part, John really didn't do anything to get Molly in. But then Rick would push to give donations to the sailing program. So it's important to note that like most small athletic teams get no funding. So like outside of football, maybe basketball, if your college is really famous for it. if it's really big for it. Baseball, if it's really, you're not getting, even like unfortunately too, same thing for like a lot of the women's sports, right? Softball, soccer, and even the male soccer and things like that. But like rowing, um, the sailing team, 
they have zero budget. They're not getting any money. They, they have to depend on donations from sponsors. It's and almost the, like athletic boosters in high school, but on steroids. Right. And these were national championship teams. So John is actually like, he's a national champion winner and his team was. But even with that, they're still not getting any type of funding. And that's what I thought was crazy is I was like, wow, they're actually like national champions and you still can't get any type of funding. So donations are really important for them. And it's very much a part of the game of what they're doing. So he couldn't even get an assistant coach, for example. Rick is saying like, hey, I'll help donate to this program. Well, all of this, like by the end of of 2019 gets John actually in trouble and he ends up pleading guilty to avoid like major jail time and the judge actually says that he was less culpable than anyone else on the case because the money he was getting from Rick Singer he was putting back into his program instead so he was using it he was actually legitimately using it he was having conversations with it but they still felt like he was culpable in some regard, but the least culpable of those. Okay. However, not every coach could say that. For example, Yale's soccer coach, Rudy Meredith, on the other hand, would openly take bribes and work out deals with Rick. Um, another person who was in his pocket was the athletic director at USC. So again, instead of just having the coach, the athletic director is over all, all of the athletics. All of the athletics. So male, female, volleyball, baseball, track and field, do your thing. They said it's estimated that she was getting $20,000 a month in kickbacks from Rick. Her name was Donna Hale-Nine. Probably mispronounced just, the very last name, just, but Donna. Just in kickbacks? So this is in addition to whatever her university salary yes. is, which is presumably pretty decent if she's in that high of position. And for years. Carla, $20,000 a month. So you think that even if she just did this for two years, what's that, 20, 24 months? Yeah. So that's four million dollars. Is that right? Four hundred eighty thousand. Four hundred eighty thousand. Not. I mean, million. still, that's crazy. That's insane. Though. Half of, because again, that's not including her real salary. Right. So you're talking in just that two year period. You know, she took a salary that was probably about that much and doubled it basically because of these kickbacks. So another coach that was in his pocket at USC, um, Jovan Vacic, who is actually coach of the year. For water polo, he said to be like the most successful water polo coach in the U.S. was also getting kickback and bribes from Rick. Crazy because what they would do is get these kids involved and they essentially like just told them like don't show up to practice for these teams that they're given admission for. It would be on the team as right. far as like listed on any kind of official roster that the school produced or that the athletic or coach or whomever like produced, but the kids were being told, like, just don't show up to soccer practice. Just no. don't, yeah, don't go to practice. And then eventually they would just drop, be dropped from the team. But that's the whole, like, that's how they got in. Like, that added to them getting into this college. The other thing is, these fake kids took spots of real, of real players. Because there were only so many positions. Yeah, on these teams. Depending on the student and the parents' desires, he would decide how they would get into one of these side doors. By the way, just like side thought on that, like how messed up that is, because you're not, they're not going to have you take the place of star athletes. That's not what they're going to do. Right. So what you're doing is getting rid of people that just barely made it in anyway, 
And those are the people that this probably could be a life-changing opportunity for. Correct. And that makes it even more douchey. It just oh, it, makes it so bad. Honestly, it's it's really oh. like there are – it's very disgusting. And you hear throughout like the documentary too – kids who are constantly like who are getting rejected from these schools that they want and they they talk about how prestigious these schools are and how low their acceptance rate is and and you know how just demoralizing we'll get into a little bit what like what we're doing to our kids yeah when it comes to some of these colleges yeah i mean like, being able to how did we get here is one thing but like exactly how did we get here where it's this bad and where your odds are this bad yeah he would ask a parent to make a donation to his charitable company, like we talked about earlier, that key foundations worldwide. He would funnel this money in to pay for their admission and rather, of course, then actually use it for like true charitable donations. If it was going to the soccer team or, or to the admissions, whatever college they were wanting to, whoever he was working with, those types of bribes, that's how what he would do with some of the money. And then, of course, he would pocket the rest of it. Because also, if you think like in some of these cases, he's being paid three or four hundred thousand dollars. He's only giving like these coaches and stuff. I mean, you know, twenty thousand, twenty thousand kickbacks. So, I mean, another he's, thirty thousand over here. Right, right. He's pocketing a good hundred thousand I mean, yeah, dollars easily. Right, at least fifty out of that shindig where he's given someone else twenty. He's doing just fine. God, a single infusion of fifty thousand dollars for most people. So they said it was would a be life changing. Yeah. They said it was a total amount between 2011 to 2018 would be about 25 million dollars that he would get that he could use to bribe for these side door co-conspirators. And I get it; he's not keeping all of that, but he's keeping a significant chunk. Holy well, and you can imagine, like th- this is not going to sit right with the government, and it's definitely not going to sit right with the IRS. Oh, because I promise you, he was not reporting that as income. Oh, for sure. <laughs> no, yeah, he's following it. Funneling it through his fake charity. So let's talk about standardized tests because this – so after convincing – this is the part that's about to piss me off because proctored tests are the bane of anyone's existence. <laughs> like, absolutely. Like 100%. And I think it's the thing that you feel like you – has the most honesty. Like again, like we talked about, right? That you, you kind of realize that there was always this kickback or this like good old boy system about getting kids into this thing. But like GPAs – and grades and standardized tests in your mind, like you're not faking that, right? They're you can study for it, right? They are equalizers. You can be really brilliant and poor, or you could be really brilliant and rich, and like you could be the same. You're going to get the same score. Yeah, that's the, the way that is it the rich work. kid might be able to afford a tutor, but other than that, exactly, like there is no other advantage that they can have. So after convincing most parents that they're kids couldn't do well on most standardized tests like the ACT or SAT, even when actually that might not be be true. Remember, he is a salesman and he is selling deep to keep these parents invested. He's like, you know what? Your kid isn't capable of getting a 30 on their their ACT. His grades are, uh, he's probably not going to get a really high score, but that doesn't, that it does not compute. High scores on standardized tests and grades are not the same, especially like students who have ADD or things like that. A lot of times they'll do way better on standardized tests than they will in their everyday life. And there are tons of people like um, Thomas is a brilliant student, terrible test taker. Yes. So on every assignment that wasn't a test, he would rock it out and ace it and then would get to a test and would really struggle. And I know tons of students like that too. So for the good old price of $75,000, that'll get you 
any score you want on the Rick Singer Guide to Standardized Tests. Just remember, like for most of you that have been out of high school for a minute, the ACT is scored. It's based out of 36 points. And most elite colleges want their students in the 30 range, normally like 34 to 36. Um, SAT is out of 1,600, and you want to be in that 1,500 range. Now, to be fair, companies have been making a business out of these standardized tests for a really long time. It's a known statistic that most students who have parents who have disposable income to help prep their students do better on the exam. It's not like a an even qualifier. Of course, if you're like naturally talented and you're really good at test taking, you're going to be fine. But if your parents have good disposable income and they can put $5,000 towards a really good ACT or SAT coach, you're most likely going to do better. Rick would have these students go to see their doctor or his doctors, most likely on his payroll. The kids would be given a medical documentation for a disability accommodation. This accommodation allows for more time. Then they would fly to a different testing location normally tell the school some unexpected trip that can't get missed and they get permission to move their testing location. And Rick would have his proctor there. They would have the kids write on a different piece of paper. Then the proctor would take the test for the student. This is like how actually part of this scheme that some students did not know that they were being tricked. Like obviously some of them They went through the whole rigmarole of they, doing the whole test. Right. They were going through the whole thing thinking that they're actually taking the tra- test, but they're not. So he would pay his proctors, again, $75,000 what Rick Singer was getting, $10,000 is what the proctor would get to cheat on the ACT Which I guarantee you for SAT. someone that is used to just sitting in a room taking test scores all day, it's like, wait a minute, I can do the exact same thing and get $10,000. Like, that doesn't make it okay, but I get why this was such an enticing deal for some of the people that Rick was approaching. It's brilliant. It's awful, but it's brilliant. I also think, like, in general, we need a full revamp of these standardized tests. Um, Clearly, there are loopholes and ways to get around it, and we're just not – like, something just is broken within that system if we're figuring out ways to cheat it. And I also think that maybe a bigger question is, like, how important are these tests really? Should these, especially like given all like test anxiety and things like that, to me, a student who had a really high GPA over multiple years and could show, you know, that's more telling to me than someone who could walk in and take a a test and score really high. I also like it just, the standardized test thing to me feels, I think for all the reasons that you just said, feels like a cop out. It's we don't want to actually have to go through the work of determining this this person's potential in a really complex variety of fields because standardized tests are not meant to really tell you where you have talent. I mean, some of that's going to naturally come to the surface. The SAT, your math versus your science versus your English score, sure, you're going to kind of see where you have more of a proclivity. But it, it's just not a good measure at the end of the day. You could have a person that does terrible at this test, but when you get them in an English lit class, you realize that they are freaking brilliant and can quote, you know, a Shakespeare sonnet to you just off the cuff, but could never do that in a, a standardized test setting. I really agree with you. There's got to be a better way beyond the fact that this list, this system can clearly be defrauded. There's right. got to be a better way to measure potential. 
I think another piece to Rick's really like, you know, playbook of how to make this work is he was pitting rich parents against one another. Yes. So like you can just imagine it's pretty common knowledge. Most parents, as parents in general, we all think that like Susie Q is perfect. Your kid is the very best special. Kid ever. Right. We are all a little bit competitive about our children. We love to brag on them. We think they are the best. Then you add in lots of money, like people getting really high test scores, getting into really prestigious colleges. And they're like, oh, well, what is Rick doing for you? Or like, did you get in on your own merit? Like trying to understand. So here's comes this like, and then also just add in that their parents are businessmen and women, most of them, right? And so they're already probably a little bit competitive and it was just the perfect storm. He wanted to make sure that he was hitting them. He'd be like, oh, you know, the next, you know, your friend, so-and-so, like they're, they're getting, they're getting this, you know, this is what's happening for their kid. And so it was like, kind of like, oh, I want this bigger and better thing for my kid so that I can brag on them. So he's playing on their insecurity with the test scores. Your kid right. probably can't make this test score. And now you're pitting them against their own, like, friends and family, basically, by by just saying, hey, I'm I'm doing this for Johnny over here. Are you going to be in on this too? Again, br- sick, but brilliant. Right. It's like Elizabeth Holmes. It's so Holmes, smart. Right? It, no, this might be smarter than Elizabeth yeah. Holmes. Until oh, yeah. It wasn't. Until yeah, yeah. It wasn't. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. The other thing is the pressure to succeed at such a young kid. Part of that book that he published was like creating your own brand. You have to have your own brand figured out by 18. Like seriously, what the fuck? Who are these kids Bitch, bye. that have their <laughs> lives figured out at 18? I'm barely have my life figured out today at 40. If you asked me today at 36 what I wanted to do when I grow up, I would still say I don't know. So yeah, like I feel like at 18, I was just trying to like go to college, pass. Honestly, like I was just trying to pass college algebra. I partied all night long at a dance club. So I laugh because I was thinking about this the other day. I was like, I didn't have a gym membership because I went to the clubs and I didn't drink back then. So I would just drink water. So that's what I would do to work out. And then I would go to work. Like, come home, go to sleep. I could make it off a week on, like, ramen noodles, SpaghettiOs. Who wants to join that brand? Yeah. Right? That is poor. Like, the only smart thing I had going on was the fact that I didn't have to pay for a gym membership and I just went to the clubs. (laughs) (laughs) It's kind of brilliant. And it's almost sad that these kids are feeling like they have to be so successful, so young, and... It's okay. It's okay to like figure it out. Go to college. Like have a good time. That's what I told my son. And I hope that's what my daughter does too. There's more to learn than just the academics from college, I think. Yes. And it's just, I I hate that. Like we saw a little bit of that in the last episode around Salem. We were talking about like the potential pressure of like these Putnam and Porter kids. These were big prominent political families. Yes. And the pressure that puts on you to succeed to be this like almost idealized version that even the parents never were themselves and so it's like when you talk about some of these people like i get it Lori laughlin's not the biggest star in the world but like your mom is the lady from full house and so there's this certain amount of desire i think to be somebody to live up to that name i mean this guy was was playing just as much on these kids' insecurities as he was the parents. And that's 
really fucked up. Like, it's bad enough that you're doing it to the parents and that the parents are involved. But one of the unseen victims in this is your kid's ego. Like, you basically right. don't have faith that they can make it in on their own. That's honestly, that's what would hurt my feelings. <sighs> like, I couldn't imagine my kids hearing me talk so openly and, like, down about their own ability. And I think also, too, like, putting that much importance on it. It's just not that fucking important. Like, at the end of the day, it is not that important. I don't care if you went to USC or you went to the University of Florida. I don't even care if you went to college. Let me be real. Like, there's so many people who are so successful and don't have a college degree. So it, it doesn't mean that you have to have it. It also means that you don't have to have it. And be proud of wherever you're going. Like, not – for those that get into, like, Harvard or Stanford or Yale, like, I'm not trying to take away any of that either. I, I get it. It's a very elite. It's a very prestigious college. It's, it's something to be proud of. But at the end of the day, like, it's not a make or break on your life. It shouldn't be. I also don't think that any of us should be holding ourselves in higher regard because of like where we went to school and right. all that. I really hate people that wear it. Like to your point, I love it. Be proud of it. But if that is supposed to impress me, it it doesn't. Like right. my, my barrier to entry for being impressed is be a good, integrous, honest person. And I know plenty of people that went to all the right schools, got all the right grades, have all the high flute positions that I will never touch with a 10 and a half foot pole. So. Yes. Well, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about how it actually falls apart for yeah. them. Many parents, obviously, they're talking to Rick about getting caught, not by the officials, but by their kids. Like, it is a fear. Like in, So the other thing about this that is- That would be my biggest fear in that yeah, position. There are so many recorded tapes from this operation. And in the conversations, they're definitely bringing it up. This kid can't, they can't find out about it. We just said, like, how little- faith they had in their children but also the links that these parents go it just it kind of like it blows my mind a little bit so how is that by a way by the way the product of them just being like rich and bored like is that how that happens like Felicity Huffman was in between shooting schedules and so like what you know what I guess I should get my kid into Yale today like what (laughs) I think it probably comes from like they're like living vicariously through their children I that's wise I think that's that's yeah better explanation and and just being like oh I want them to have this but then also I will say I know even for myself that it is not always easy to make your children like you you want to give them this great life. I don't know, I don't know if it's something about our generation or like what it is where we're trying to do so much for our kids. Like I've seen it a ton where I mean we're practically wiping asses of our children. You need to let, you know, Johnny and Susie, they need they need to rough it for a little bit. They need to figure out where their next paycheck's coming from. They need to be poor. They need to be a little hungry. Little grit does people good. I spoil my kids. I want them to have things that I didn't have. But I also want them to be proud of what they do on their own and can hold like their own merits. And I think sometimes like I don't know if it's mom's guilt or parents guilt plus all of the competitive stuff. But like I truly believe that most of these parents truly love their children and were thinking that they were doing the right thing. And there's there's got to be some of that like, oh, I'm going to solve this for my kid. When really your gut should be, let them figure it out for themselves. Just so the phrase, it's not just the destination, it's the journey comes to mind. Right. And all of the best lessons that I have learned in life came from the school of hard knocks, not from a formal 
institution, right? And I've got plenty of that in my back pocket too. If I'm the kid and I, it actually makes me feel better that some of the parents were so afraid of the kid finding out, that's what I would be most scared of is like I have robbed my child, forget the fact that I didn't believe in them, I've robbed my child of going through these experiences that will toughen them, that will steal them, that will make them better at doing life. It's fucked up, man. You you took that from them. It was going to come to them and you took it from yeah. them. Yeah. Uh, okay. So how did it fall apart? Someone got caught on an unrelated security federal charge that had nothing to do. Well, they traded information to, to save themselves. They said that the Yale, the Yale coach, that Rudy Meredith, that he accepted a bribe. Then the feds go to Rudy Meredith. And then Rudy flips on Rick Singer and begins to be a cooperating informant against Singer in order to stay out of federal prison. The FBI hold a sting operation and confront Rick with the recordings that they've been getting between him and Rudy Meredith. And these recordings are very blatant about what is happening. And these two clearly have a pretty open relationship and have been working together for a few years. So they're not hiding very much. So Rick is, he's caught majorly. And of course, Singer, you know, trying to save himself, agrees to help them indict the parents that were involved. He wasn't fully honest about all of his schemings at first, though, and really tried to push that the payments were like donations. Um, but after he was told, well, actually, like, it's illegal for these donations to be accepted and then to do something for the other party, or like in some of the cases for the donation not to go towards the college athletic team, but to go into your pocket, that's that's still illegal. Him really realizing he cannot bullshit his way out of here, he says, like, okay, I am going to help you guys get these parents then. What the FBI want him to do is to record his clients. So the scheme would be that he would call the clients, say that he was being audited, and he would go over what he had done for them. Sally Sue couldn't get in college, so you paid for someone to take the test and then for a certain coach to get them on whatever college it is. He instructed them that if they were to be asked any questions, that it was for the foundation. He not only recorded, but, you know, some parents were like, yeah, absolutely. Okay, cool. No problem. I'll I'll say that. Yep. Thanks for your help. Some parents were paranoid and were like, no, we're not going to talk over the phone. Come to my house. And he would wear a wire in those cases. So unlike other operations where they might focus solely on like the higher leadership, here they have him. Like they've got the coaches. They've got Rick Singer, but they don't just want them. They want the parents, which really are like your lower levels at this point. They were 100% out for blood. Because this is the part where it gets a little interesting to me. And don't get me wrong. I have lots of feelings towards the parents. And like, let us not forget that they were sold on this too. Like right. in some ways they were convinced their insecurities were played upon, their vulnerabilities were played upon by this kind of con man that we now know through the lens of like hindsight was not in it for their children's best interests or for the family's best interests. He wasn't in it for his own. So that is really, really shitty. I, I don't think the parents deserve a free pass, but were they victimized at least a little bit? Yeah, they kind of were. Sure. I, I think absolutely. I was thinking like as he's calling these people and like going over this story and like re-verifying all he did. Now, one parent was like, I don't know what you're talking about. That was a donation. He's like, man, come on. We know that wasn't a donation. He's like, look, I donated it to your foundation. What you did with it after that, 
Not my business, not my problem. But I know what, I know that was a donation and he doubled down into the story. That way he's not getting caught kind of saying anything. And I almost wonder, is that how I would be? But one of the lawyers or one of the defense attorneys on the Netflix documentary says white collar criminals are different. And especially these clients, because they're not hardened criminals. They're not suspicious. They are very successful, smart people, but they're not used to doing crimes. And it's interesting that parents who are probably good people, right, for the most part, making some dumb decisions around their kids, but they're good people. Yeah. They're like, yeah, okay, okay, cool, no problem. They're not suspicious. And then you have like some of your cutthroat, probably more like mm, on the verge of doing criminal activity, business people who are like, nah, you need to come talk to me in person, come to my house. It's kind of interesting how the two things spread out. The coaches and admin, they would get charges as well. They would get charged for mail, check, and wire fraud. Almost all of them agreed to plea bargains to avoid like 20-year charges. Yeah. February 2019, the press conference would come out and indictments across the country would come out. The media storm would begin. There was 33 parents that would be charged. And there were videos of the raids of their houses like early in the morning that would be shown all over the media everywhere. There was 11 named collegiate coaches or athletic administrators from eight universities. There were like other universities that were implicated in the scandal, but they were not like as far deep into as like Stanford, Yale, USC. Georgetown was also another big one that had stuff that was involved. It is these very prestigious colleges. Yeah. Let's talk about some of the famous people and what happened. Lori Laughlin and her husband, Massimo. For those of you that don't know, Massimo is a fashion designer. And of course, Lori Laughlin, better known as Ann Bucky on Full House. Their daughter, also very successful YouTuber with millions of followers. Most know her as Olivia Jade. She did makeup, get ready with me, and like did collabs. There was actually a collab when all of this came out. There was she had a makeup collab with Sephora oh my in God. on the shelves. They both had their daughters pose on a rowing machine and sends it off to Rick Singer to have them added to the rowing team. In 2017, the AD over at USC that we had mentioned before. She submitted Olivia Jade's athletic profile as a rower, and she had become accepted conditionally. The parents had been notified by Rick, but they were told to keep it hush. Well, the guidance counselor at the high school becomes really suspicious because he knew that, in fact, Olivia Jade did not belong to the rowing team, and he could not understand why she would get admitted to this way. There are actually emails between Lori her husband, Mosmo, and Rick on how to keep the guidance counselor quiet. There are even conversations, including the daughter, where they call the guidance counselor nosy. So as a fellow nosy bitch, I will take this as a compliment. Um, but the father, Mosmo, even confronts the counselor. And this puts Donna at USC on high alert. And she begins advising Rick to have Olivia and her sister state they're walk-on candidates and looking forward to trying out and like not make a scene but they were almost busted like from the beginning because this guidance counselor because olivia jade really is like a public figure she's an influencer a youtuber and he's like 
she's not a rower. So then all of a sudden for her to have all her whole life, all four years of her high school filmed and then be like, oh, I'm going to college and I'm going to be on the rowing team. It's like, what what am I missing here? Right. Right. Yeah. When Lori and Mossimo were arrested, TMZ and other media outlets were all over Olivia Jade. Yep. It tormented her on social media. Sephora pulled that collab makeup off their shelves she came out saying like oh i didn't i didn't know anything about it and then it seems like well how could that be so because there's other conversations that make it feel like you knew something was going on but really just was not a good look regardless if she knew didn't know those two parents really made the decisions and she has a young girl so like let's not crucify her too bad like that sucked I think she ended up dropping from USC, but I'm also, like, curious about – it never talks about, like, what happened with some of these kids that got into these colleges unfairly that might have still been in college. One, it's a – yeah, like, do you unwind absolutely all of them or do you do some sort of, like, re-screening to see, like, okay, you're already technically accepted. Do you actually qualify if we give you a fair run of it since we – like, I just – that would be fascinating to know how they handled some of it. I think the commentary that's in my head, too, is like this is you and I both grew up without money. Right. Because we're not even talking filthy rich people, but money still talks. And this, for me, lays bare. We do not, even when you're talking about just like people that are reasonably rich, these aren't even insanely rich people. But these just reasonably rich people and above do not play by the same rules that the rest of us play by they don't and like i feel bad for the daughter in this instance but at the same time like you've got to be aware of that too you have grown up in a position where you have opportunities afforded to you that the rest of us simply don't because of what your last name is and because the amount of money in not your bank account but your mommy and daddy's bank account. right it's just and i don't mean that in any kind of like degrading way we do not live in the same world like what what I have had to do to get where I have gotten to in my life has been beg, borrow, steal, claw my way right. every single inch. This little gay boy from Indiana leaving home to go to Orlando and then DC and all this other stuff. Like I had to fight for every inch of that. And in this instance, and it's sad in this girl's case, it sounded like she already had a, a good career in front of her. That's what people even like throughout the documentary and things like that commented is like she really didn't need college and it Lori might have actually ruined it. Yeah, and Mm -hmm. many times she didn't want to go to college. Like at little time, many times she kind of stated throughout like how hard high school was and stuff like that. Like there are jobs now where people are influencers and things like that. Like I also have lots of feelings around influencers and things like that. But people who are made, you know. People felt that way about salesmen. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know, different feelings on that. But what I will say is it's like that this to me is the definition of privilege. She didn't need your help, but you just wanted her to have the option because just because and because you could afford it. Friends, that is called privilege. That is called privilege. (laughs) Overall, some of the jail sentences is honestly like laughable. Lori was sentenced to two months and Mossimo was sentenced to five months. And they had together a total of 350 hours of community service. But that was their punishment. Felicity Huffman is the other one that I think is probably most famously known. She's married to William Macy. She meets Rick Springer that her daughter's scores aren't good enough to get her to get them into college that they wanted. 
But actually, this is one that like that isn't true. She actually could have been able to get in the door with zero assistance. Now, of course, there wouldn't have been that guarantee. But she was very smart, very high test taker, could have easily done it on her own within her own merit. Again, I I won't harp on it. That that is the definition of privilege. (laughs) I cannot get over that. And how insulting to your daughter. Like, I just want the guarantee because I can have it. I'm just going to make sure, like, you can get in on your own merit. You've done all this work. You've put in all of the effort. But mommy and daddy are just going to to take care of it for you. What the fuck, Carla? It really doesn't make any sense. She was charged with a single count of mail fraud, and she actually would only serve two weeks. Got 250 hours community service. The rest of them really were like different CEOs and executives and lawyers. A lot of them I did not recognize at all. Rick Singer pled guilty on March 12th, 2019 to four felony counts of conspiracy to commit money laundering, conspiracy to defraud the United States, and obstruction of justice for alerting a number of subjects to the investigation after he had begun cooperating with the government. He faced up to 65 years in prison and a fine of $1.25 million. He was sentenced in January of 23 with federal prosecutors asking for six years in prison And, of course, his attorneys were asking for home detention and community service. So they ended up sentencing him to only three and a half years in prison with an additional three years probation. He had to pay like $10 million in restitution to the IRS. And then he would have to give over another like um, millions of dollars in different assets. He did apologize. Like he said in his statement that he lost his ethical values and has a lot of regret. And quote, to be frank, I'm ashamed of myself. I don't think three and a half years is enough. I think if Elizabeth Holmes had to serve 12 years and Todd Chrisley and his wife are having to serve, right, five or six years, then I think Rick Singer could have served 10 years. Rudy Meredith, the soccer coach, of course, Took a plea bargain, got five months in prison. Donna Hill, the USC AD, six months in prison. And some of the fines that they got were only like two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. They're slaps on the wrist, right? And especially very when much ten thousand dollars. That one AD just over two years, right? We said it was over four hundred thousand. So you get charged two hundred and fifty. Like she still got the pocket a quarter of a million dollars after all of this was said and done. That kind of covers the majority of everything for it. But really, at the end of the day, there wasn't a lot of jail time. Like, almost nobody served, except for Rick Singer himself. No one served more than, like, it was, like, eight weeks, six months. I think I saw one person served nine months. And that was the most that anyone served outside of Rick Singer in prison. So the prison time was very small. I will say there the um, community service hours are huge, 500, 250. Like they're, I mean, it's they're... a lot. Like we're talking like even some of – I was just watching something on a recent indictment that happened at the federal level, and that person got a like 100 hours of community service. And I was just like, think about that, that 100 hours. If you served two hours a week for the entire year, it would take you the entire year. To, to complete it at 100 hours. And some of these are double, triple, quadruple that. So it's like, wow, that's a lot of community service. I think for all the time and effort and money that the FBI put into all of this together, all 
And I think we needed to look at like what was happening at the college level. So maybe it all outweighed it, even if you didn't get these huge prison time sentences, it was all worth it. But it is kind of interesting to see some of these smaller prison times for some of these people considering like other white collar crimes are getting double. It's an interesting one to me because like I do understand that no one physically got hurt here. No one was maimed. No one was at risk of death, even risk of death. Like you mentioned Elizabeth Holmes, people weren't harmed in that. This is not the same thing. I do agree like something a little harsher to make it you want to incentivize people not to do this. Right. Right. And do were these severe enough to make people not do it? It's questionable. For some of these people, though, because their professions rely on a public profile, their public profile has been ruined at least for years to come, if not forever, right? Like you're never, you're never gonna see Lori Laughlin pulling the same paycheck that she was pre this scandal. It's right. not gonna happen. And she's only getting older. So some of the punishment that was doled out didn't have to be doled out via the sentencing. The the public retribution on it's going to be hard enough. One other thought, though, about Rick, it's not just, like, that he cheated these kids. Like, Carla, he kind of cheated himself. Thomas and I are getting ready to do this. We're starting a coaching and consulting business. You can make a very good living doing this kind of thing. Yeah. And instead of doing it the right way, I, instead I did of being think an about that. actual admissions coach for these people, instead of actually working he was working hard for some of these schemes i'm like honestly doing it the right way might have been less hard you may not have made quite as much money but it would have been less hard yeah and you probably still would have made good money so like what a shame i hope you are ashamed of yourself and that you're embarrassed because none of it had to go this way and the the reputations of people that you have ruined along the way the the self-esteem of these students that you have ruined along the way by implying that they weren't worthy or capable of it otherwise. Like, it's kind of fucked up, Carla. Well, it's funny because I definitely thought about, like we said, too, there there were legitimate people that went through this program that were not involved in this scandal that they were then looked at. Like, oh, how did you get into college? You know, and they're like, I, did, I didn't do any of that. Everything was legitimate about at mine. So people are constantly going to be questioning. I had to think to myself, like, if I were given the opportunity to do something like that, I don't think I would. You know, would would there be ways, right, to push ahead, like a, a coach or things like that? But I'm also, I'm okay to let my kids fail sometimes, even though it's really, really hard. It's okay for them to fall on their face a little bit. It's okay for them to have to go through adversity or you know, have to pull themselves up by the bootstraps. We said it, um, you and I have had like personal conversations where we said like, it's not about the fall down, it's about the get up. It's like, it's everyone falls down. Everyone has bad times, but how do you recover from it? Those are the lessons that are learned. Um, You know, that's how you figure your ish out, really. And these parents took it away from their children, the ability to maybe not get into college or to get on their own merit and be really proud of what they had done. It's important for us to talk about. And it's not just important for us to talk about, but there it's important for them to make sure that like, what are you doing about the standardized tests? What are you doing about the proctor stuff? What are you doing to make sure that admission, this isn't happening again? How do we keep this from happening? Because there's got to be trust in something. You know, there's so many things full of corruption and it feels like there's no way to get out of it. Like, this doesn't feel like this has to 
it doesn't have to end this way. And I, I hope it doesn't. I hope we take a good look at what is happening. Unfortunately, right after this case, COVID happened. So I think, you know, schools and things like that was kind of thrown upside down anyway. But I hope there there was good work put behind some of these other things. Beyond the concept of, of, of privilege, which is obviously apparent in this, hardship is important. Every single, we talked about this at length in our personal lives, every single time that I have been at my lowest, like in the moment, it feels so awful. It's the worst. Like, and you just, you're sitting there trying to find your way out of it and almost run out of it. Like you don't, you don't want to like walk out. Like I want to sprint. I need you to put on like some Super Mario shoes or something. Let's get me out of here. Right. And then you look back on it in hindsight and you're like, damn, I grew so much from that. Damn, I figured myself out so much or I learned X, Y, Z from that experience. There's no replacement for it. There are certain things in life that can't be bought. And, you know, beyond the fact that they got legal ramifications for this, they lost some some personal currency in this, right? Like reputational damage was done here because of what you did. And for what? Like for, for what? At the end of the day, the outcome from your kid in at least half these cases might have been the same, but they would have had some extra lessons along the way that now they don't get to have. And now they've got to wonder if you ever thought for any of these hardships in life that they could actually make it on their own. Right. Like, oh man, that's, it is some of the things I'm most proud of aren't the things that have shown up as most successful on a resume. Right. No. The things that I look back at with the most pride are the things where it was a really tough situation that I wasn't sure I could get out of. But then I did. Like some somehow yeah like one day and you're just like i'm out of it and then you look back out and realize all these tiny steps that you made along the way to believe in yourself to to lean on people around you to work harder to go at it from a different angle and lo and behold you get across the finish line there's something really powerful about that i i like that that was exposed like you don't get to circumvent that it's going to continue to happen. People with money are always going to continue well, to do it. But it's important that we call these things. You out. know, as well as I knew, that like there's always a place in time where like someone's getting something that they probably you you feel like they don't deserve or they haven't earned or, Ooh, you know, there, there's always there's always going to be that some piece for the rest of our lives. We're always going to be like, that's not fair. I do feel like in this case, like glad that karma exposed it. But also for, like, the other kids who were involved in this who felt like they didn't get a fair shot. Like, unfortunately, this is part of life. There's always going to be unfairness and things like that happening. Someone's always going to be given something that you feel like you earned or they haven't earned it. Um, And it's, like, how you figure out how to just be a good person and continue to do – focus on yourself is definitely part of the story, too. There was a lawsuit brought on in California by students who claimed that they were marginalized because of this, that they weren't allowed, they weren't getting into college because yeah. these students People that took, might have made like the first round right. of cuts but then didn't make the last, last one. It's like, well, that's because Laura Laughlin's daughter took my spot. Gotcha. Right. <laughs> like, and I the it didn't end up, they ended up getting dropped because, or they lost because they said like there wasn't specifications tied. And it's probably because those people who are like star athletes and didn't get to get onto a team or something like that, like they're think they're already moved on to like bigger and better things. They're already 
moving past it and probably have gotten over it. Um, How do you really quantify what was yeah, lost there? Yeah. Right? So yeah. it was interesting that there was this this lawsuit that came later, but it was dismissed. Um, so, but there's Operation yes. Varsity Blues. Um, we've wanted to talk about it. It's been on our list for a while, so I'm glad we got the chance to really chat about it. So many so much meat there. So many things to talk about. It is. I could go on forever. Yeah. I mean, it's just lots of really nuanced shenanigans and lots of questions about like how we show up in those spaces of academics and career achievement. And some of these things that are a little artificial and rely on things like test scores and all of that to tell you where you air quotes stand on something. And it's just not the the lone definition. This was so good. And I'm so glad every now and then when we get one that is meaty like this, but no one had to die. I know. <laughs> no murder and mayhem. A little minute, little mayhem. No oh murder. <laughs> All right. Well, as always, friends, we, we want uh, ideas for, for next shows. Like Carla mentioned, we're at the bottom of our backlog or nearly there. So um, as we get ideas from you, we add them to our list and we kind of shuffle it up and figure up figure out what we want to do in the upcoming weeks. So send more our way. You can do that by hitting us up in our DMs on our social media platforms at NosyBees, that's N-O-S-E-Y-B-S, on both Facebook and Instagram. Or you can email us old school style by uh, sending a note to NosyBeesForLife at gmail.com. That's N-O-S-E-Y-B-E-E-S, the number four, life at gmail.com. Until until next next time, time, bitches. Bye. I so, like gotten in on your thunder there i'm sorry no uh, i was like until next time bye, bye. time bye, bye. You made it to the end of the podcast. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. And I know that we've given a lot of our unsolicited feedback, but at the end of the day, it's also important that we remember to stay kind, stay curious, but of course, stay nosy, bitches. bitches.